Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I'm your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. So congratulations is in order. If you've built a successful freelance business that has grown to the point where you need to hire, you have achieved a huge milestone. If you're already past the point of making your first hire and your team is now growing, well, congratulations is in order to you as well. So regardless of where you are with scaling your team and your business, whether you're at employee number one or employee number 100, this podcast focuses on everything related to people operations. We'll cover best practices, strategies, and solutions to help you build a sustainable and scalable business that is fueled by great people and a great culture. So if you're enjoying listening to this Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, please subscribe, give us a like, and give us a review. Your feedback will help us grow this podcast, and we'll be able to positively impact more employers to help them build better work environments. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I am your host, Brian Montez, and welcome back. So in last week's episode, we started talking about workplace flexibility and introducing you to the concept and talking about the different types of workplace flexibility that are available to you as an employer. Because at the end of the day, we know that workplace flexibility is one of the most highly desired things that our team members want in the new world of work. What's more important than getting to your kid's soccer game or making sure you make that dance recital or that you get them to the doctor when they're sick? So having the flexibility throughout the work week to not miss life's important things is very, very critical to how we view the world today. Because at the end of the day, there are things that are more, more important to us than just work. So in this second of a two-part series, we're going to talk today about how you as an employer can implement your flexible workplace policy and culture. Implementing it in such a way that it works for not only you as the employer, but also works for your team, right? It's got to work for everybody, not just for the employees and not just for the company. Let's get down into it today. So successful companies that utilize flexibility, they understand that this is the way to do business. This is the way of the future. They understand that flexibility is a way to enhance employee ownership and participation without sacrificing results and productivity. In fact, efficiency and the bottom line are improved when we build flexible work environments. With good communication and a highly motivated and committed team, companies will easily generate more profitable employee results that meet the company's financial and professional goals, as well as allowing for the individual team members to achieve their personal and professional goals. What you're going to realize is that your clients are going to benefit as well, because your services, your deliverables, everything is going to get delivered on time, ahead of schedule, and above expectation, and hopefully also in a more cost-effective manner for you. So let's talk about how we go about implementing the flexible workplace. So let's start with key point number one, communication. Communication drives everything we do, both in our personal and professional lives. We know that a breakdown of communication is a big factor in why a lot of things will fail. Relationships fail due to lack of communication. Businesses fail due to lack of communication. Employees will fail if there's a lack of communication from leadership. Communication is key on so many fronts. So communication is central to the success of workplace flexibility. So you need to establish clear ground rules about how to implement workplace flexibility and evaluate work performance that's necessary to ensure that the arrangement is working for both you, the business, and for that particular employee. Okay, you will have to establish measurable input and outputs and standards to make this arrangement work. Now, once a flexible work arrangement is approved, reviewing that agreement regularly for example, every 30, 60, or 90 days, is going to help ensure that it is working 
and continues to meet both the employee's needs as well as the business needs. And all flexible arrangements should be reviewed to ensure they remain efficient and profitable for you as the employer. As you can see, implementing a flexible work environment doesn't mean that it doesn't improve your business. It absolutely can improve your business, and you should be able to show that from a financial standpoint if you are tracking the financials and the metrics that go along with it. Now, it's also going to be very important on the communication front to establish effective communication channels between employees and managers. For example, working with flex option mentors, a company may enhance their virtual work program. So to improve communications, companies may implement text messaging for their home-based team members so they can better collaborate and more quickly resolve problems. Or you can implement a Slack channel very specific to this as well, right? There are so many different omni-channel ways we can communicate with our remote team. Now, these enhancements are will prove to increase your revenue because they're going to improve your employee effectiveness. So again, first point number one is communication. Make sure you are clearly communicating and that everybody understands the flex policy and what their responsibilities are around that flex policy. And it is perfectly okay if you need to create a flex policy by employee. It does not need to be a one-size-fits-all. Number two, focus on results and team input. If you start to move your organization towards a more flexible work environment, employers should adhere to the concept of placing emphasis on results rather than time that an employee is physically spending in the workplace, at a desk, or sitting in front of their computer in their remote office. This is particularly difficult in some business sectors where hours clocked at the desk have been and will continue to be highly rewarded. And I've got news for you. If you continue doing that, you are going to create a dysfunctional culture. In a flexible environment, however, work is defined differently, focusing less on where, when, and how work gets done and more on actual results. That is when the employee produces is central to creating and maximizing workplace flexibility. So one of the most proven methods or of affirmatively responding to a request for flexibility is asking the employee or employees to propose a workplace flexibility solution and a strategy for ex execution. In other words, put it in their hands, right? This is something they want. Have them be part of creating the solution. Have them be part of designing it. This will give them ownership in it and make sure that their voice is heard. Now, employers, you may also want to ask the team or group of employees to help develop strategies for creating workplace flexibility that can generate creative workplace approaches and increase workplace results. The third thing that you need to think about as the employer is how are you going to support the flexible work environment? So in a business or organization where flexibility becomes the norm, it becomes fully integrated into business operations and processes. It becomes part of your DNA. There's no stigma attached to the flexibility, and the flexibility is supported at the highest leadership levels. For example, if you implement a company-wide family-friendly policy and flexibility as a core principle for all personnel, everybody within the organization needs to live by that, including the owners, the CEO, whatever, whatever hierarchy you have. Everybody needs to live by that particular tenant. However, flexibility should be a two-way street rather than just an entitlement because successful arrangements require mutual respect, a healthy give and take, and mature communication. In other words, if the arrangement isn't working, you as the employer do not need to keep that arrangement in place. Okay, it is a two-way street. It has to work for both the employee and it also has to work for the organization itself. Okay, let's talk about implementing the flexibility into the workplace. So first step is the beginning, right? We all have to start somewhere. We all have to take that first step, right? It just doesn't happen overnight. 
So it's often best to begin flexibility on a small scale or through a pilot program, right? Let's not jump both feet first into the cold water and then find out it's too cold for us, right? We need to start a pilot program. Let's test it out and let's roll it out over time. This way we can tweak and adjust very quickly. If we roll out a massive program to 30 or 40 employees at one time and it fails, it's going to be very hard to get a program up and running again because people aren't going to believe it. They're going to look and go, well, we did it last time. It failed. We're not interested in trying this again. Okay. So anytime you're going to make a massive change to policy, stair step into it, scale into it, build a pilot program, test, adjust, fix, test, adjust, fix, test, adjust, fix. It's easier to fix and pivot on small things than on big things. Let's give you an example. So say you decide to establish a telecommuting arrangement. You can choose to begin with one or two at-work home employees, one to two days a week, and gradually build from that point, right? Start small and build into it. Now, you as an employer may elect to survey managers about their flexibility needs and the pilot program within the management group. So the pilot program can help identify and address challenges. So by starting small or with a pilot program, a flexible arrangement can be more easily assessed for its effectiveness and modifications can be made on a very manageable scale. So as you can see in the beginning, it makes good sense to start a pilot program, stay small, get feedback, test, pivot, adjust. All right, the next stage to implementing your flexible workplace environment and culture is gonna be in the workplace culture itself. Now, a written policy may be an indicator as to whether or not a firm or organization is committed to workplace flexibility, but a key determinant itself is the culture where flexibility is embraced at the highest levels, where processes and policies in place are going to accommodate and encourage flexibility. In other words, it doesn't help at all to take a policy, put it in writing, if it's not adhered to, if it's not followed to, if it's not embraced, if it's not utilized. The words have to be lived every single day. The words don't mean anything unless they become living and breathing. So, you know, you as the employer may implement the appropriate policies and processes present but the business case for flexibility exists when the principles are embraced by the highest level of the organization and the leadership team speaks the language of flexibility, speaks the language of accommodation, and speaks the language of inclusion. For example, an organization may offer guidance and support for employees seeking a flexible work arrangement through workplace programs that encourage employees to create proposals, enabling them to work from home on a regular basis. A culture of flexibility can be demonstrated in multiple ways, processes, policies, and other tools. More significantly, authentic support at the highest level creates a fertile environment for flexibility because employees feel comfortable discussing and using flexibility without repercussion, without fear of retaliation. And a consistent approach and attitude towards flexibility is represented throughout the organization. So now let's talk about the third step, and that's evaluating employee proposals for flexibility. Flexible options should not be implemented merely for the sake of offering flexibility options. It's important to determine creative ways to get the job done that support business priorities while meeting the needs of employees. Organizations that provide employees with guidance or support in proposing flexible work arrangements may have better outcomes in creating positive and lucrative results. So such support and engagement also helps to ensure that all parties are like-minded with respect to understanding what is being requested and how proposals are going to run in line with goals and the business priorities. So take, for example, an employer that wants to implement a request process will include a form that leads the employee through a series of questions to help describe the proposed work arrangement and how it will sustain or enhance the employee's ability and the teams in accomplishing business objectives. 
In other words, when the team member needs to sit down and put together their reasons for their flex policy, it's not just so that they can have time off in the afternoon to get to that soccer game or whatever they need to do. It's about how that flexible work policy will give them the tools and the resources they need to deliver better and better results for the organization. So again, it's always going to be a two-way street. And second, that request can also require providing management with positive guidance in terms of assessing employee proposal. In other words, giving the management team the outcomes, these are the things you can measure on. If we go to a fle- if I go to a flexible work policy, these are the measurable, deliverable outcomes you can expect, and this is how we're going to measure it. So creating that as part of the, a part of the proposal process. Now, alternatively, an employer may institute an employee task force as an effective model to lead an organic solution in assessing the feasibility of flexibility in the workplace. I mean, such initiatives may help redesign jobs or even redesign how work is being done. It's going to lead to better results, right? We have to get to the past the point of ever saying, well, this is how we've always done it. So this is how we're going to keep doing it. Okay, we should never accept the status quo. Since more people are requesting flexibility as a precondition of employment, business owners and managers really do need to think more proactively about those positions that they post and how can they create flexibility within that position. So start by asking yourself these two questions. Can that job be done on a flexible basis? And if so, what does that look like? Would a compressed work week, telecommuting, part-time, or job share arrangement work for this position, right? Again, it's all about getting creative. Thinking proactively, tapping into the team, and providing employees with guidance and support when they propose working flexible schedules will lead to better outcomes for not just you, the organization, but also for the employees. Communication. We come back to communication because it's important that we have good communication, not only with the team members as we set up the flex work policy, but communication to the organization as a whole. A new workplace flexibility policy may easily be communicated to the entire organization through company email that highlights the fundamentals of the new flexible work options that are available to everybody. The policy, what it is, maybe even calling an all-hands-on meeting or, or calling everybody into a virtual meeting so that you can discuss what the flexible work policy entails. It's also going to be important to let everybody know not only what the policy entails, but how they can take advantage of it. What steps they need to take if they decide they want a FlexWorks policy? What steps they need to go through to achieve that, to earn that, to get that ability within the organization? So employees should be encouraged to speak with their supervisors or contact you know, the owner, appropriate human resources, whoever their contact is, if they really want to start that process of proposing a flex time schedule for themselves. All right, so let's talk about a few tools that you can implement in order to get started. So these tools are going to be the fundamentals of creating your flexible workplace. All right, number one, create a business proposal approach. Design a process where employees submit a proposal describing how their work will be accomplished, how they will maintain or improve productivity, how their impact and request, what that impact will have on various aspects of the business itself and the job that they do. Number two, establish a formal review process. Review all requests for flexibility submitted by your team. Now, some requests will not be implemented due to the nature of the job, but you need to make sure if it cannot be implemented that you communicate back to that person why. Why does that job not allow for as much flex? It may be staffing needs. It may be that it's a production job. It may be have to do with food safety, right? Be able to justify why the job can't be done in a flex environment. That review process is going to be critical so that you are evaluating each request on a level playing field and everybody gets a fair shot 
at getting a flex schedule. And if they can't get a flex schedule, there are justifiable business reasons that you can apply to that case so that you can avoid any claims of discrimination. Third, consider an employee's performance. Now, employees who have not demonstrated a strong self-management set of skills and high-level dependability, these typically are not going to be good candidates for a flexible work environment. Okay, So you do not have to grant them a flex work schedule if they are a type of employee that you have to micromanage outside of the office. Okay, But however, keep in mind that there will be some situations when flexibility is exactly what that employee might need to resolve a personal issue that is affecting their job performance. So really dig into the need for their flex schedule. Of course, you know, without getting so personal that you're, you know, so far into their business, but have an open conversation with them because if there is something going on at home and they truly believe that they can better manage their personal life with a flex work schedule, it might be something that you will want to consider. It may solve the problem. And again, if you roll this out on a pilot basis with that employee and it doesn't work, well, then in 30, 60, 90 days, you are going to have the ability to have that follow-up conversation and say, this isn't working and here's why. So that's why you definitely want to roll this out on a pilot program. Number four, involve the team. Prior to approving an arrangement, ask the employee to share their proposal with their team members, discuss any issues, and brainstorm solutions. Make sure that you have a team that works together, that everybody is bought in, and this flex schedule makes good sense. Next, clearly outline those expectations. Again, we come back to communication. Discuss performance expectations, including work to be accomplished, communication, and attendance at meetings, whether they're in-person or virtual. Right? Make sure all of this discussion is done and agreed to prior to commencing the arrangement. Ensure that the focus will be on the employee's work performance, consistency of contributions, and the results, and not FaceTime. And the last uh, action item for you is conduct frequent reviews. Again, communication. Treat the new arrangement as a pilot for three to six months. Establish measurements and review the success of the arrangement at regular intervals. Be managing it, actively managing it all the way through so that it doesn't get away from you. Right? It shouldn't take you six months to say this isn't working. Actively manage the process. Have consistent reviews throughout the start of the program. There are a few other things that we can get into, but what I'm looking at here is that we actually may need to make this a three-part because we're already at almost 20 minutes of talking time here. So guess what? There is going to be a third part to this podcast. And the third part to the podcast, which we'll release next week, is going to talk about the employee side of the flex work environment and what, the, what your employee needs to be thinking about when they put together their proposal and what is expected out of them. So we'll talk about that next week, and it may be something that you want to share with your employees and have them listen to if you want to roll this out, because it's going to give them some tips on what they need to do to successfully establish themselves for a flex work environment. All right. Well, that's it for today's Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some good information out of it and that you are seriously considering creating a flexible work environment if it's something that will work for your business and will work for your employees. Always feel free to drop us an email or uh, hit us up on LinkedIn. If you have any additional questions about creating a flex work environment, we are happy to help answer that as we've rolled out several work policies, flex work policies for different companies. All right, until next time, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast today. We have a free resource for you. Download our free workbook with the 18 questions that a transitioning entrepreneur to employer needs to ask and answer before making that first hire. The link to your free resource is in the show notes. And last but not least, subscribe to this podcast and give us a review. The more we grow this entrepreneur to employer community, the more we can make sure that Mondays, or any day of the week for that matter, don't suck.